Okay, everybody, first up, we have some music tech and podcasting news for you. Spotify has reported their first quarter earnings, and uh, they're really growing their user base. They're over 500 million global monthly active users. And in related news, Grimes, the artist, has tweeted she wants everybody to take her AI voice and make songs, and she'll split revenue with people. One of the most fascinating, interesting, innovative things I've seen in the history of the music industry. Uh, I think it's going to res- result in some bangers. And then I have Cafe X CEO and founder Henry Hugh on the show to talk about his crazy last couple of years, near-death experiences as an entrepreneur, never giving up, and just making that robotic coffee machine that you see at SFO that's actually making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. He figured it out. One of the great dogged founders I've ever worked with, super innovative. It's going to be a great show, so stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by... Squarespace. Turn your idea into a new website. Go to squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use offer code twist to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. LinkedIn marketing. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash this week in startups. And brilliant.org is the best way to learn math, science, and computer science interactively. Try everything Brilliant has to offer for a full 30 days and get 20% off an annual subscription at brilliant.org slash twist. All right, big news in Spotify land. Spotify's stock is up eh, about 10% after they reported their Q1 earnings because they exceeded user growth expectations by 15 million monthly active users. So despite the slowdown in the world and the correction, the down market, people still like podcasts and they still like listening to music. As of 2 p.m. Eastern, stock was up about 4% after that initial 10% pop. Looking at the financials, up 14% year over year, down 4% quarter over quarter. That's slightly below expectations. Their first quarter revenue, $3.3 billion. Premium subscriber revenue was 89% of the total revenue. Ad supported was 11%. Ad revenue is up 17% year over year, down 20% quarter over quarter. It's a tough time right now in advertising because when budgets get cut, and you're in a down market, people maybe spend a little bit less on advertising and try to be more efficient. Uh, But then coming out of a recession or a down market, you'll see people start to ramp up their spending because they start to feel more confident in the advertising game and spending. Uh, There's a lot of emotion, I find, historically in that. So when we have these down markets, people will spend less. And then also people start canceling on the margin subscriptions that they don't need or if they're just belt tightening generally and you might be doing this in your life you might look at all of your spending and maybe spotify you don't want to pay for ad free you want to use pandora or spotify with ads or you know pirate music or listen to it on youtube with ads they had an operating loss of 171 million but their cash flow was positive at 62 million so you know the reason why you'll see this disparity is because you have to subtract their capex costs, you know, capital expenditures from the free cash flow. And you'll have all these like non cash expenses around capex, like depreciation, amortization. So you buy something and it depreciates in value over time. 
that kind of will explain those differences. What you really want to see is just more cash in the bank over time. User growth is the big story here. All right, so let's look at the total monthly active users in Q1. This is premium subs plus free users, 515 million MAUs. MAUs is monthly active users, and that's up 22% year over year and 5% quarter over quarter. More people are downloading Spotify and using it, and that exceeded uh, expectations by 15 million. Not sure why that is. It uh, could be people are coming for Joe Rogan or Caller Daddy, you know, things that are exclusive. But would 15 million come for the, the that many? I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell. Maybe people have more free time. Maybe they uh, maybe there are some bangers out there, some great songs people want to hear. But there's not that much exclusive stuff on Spotify. There are very few services in the world that reach 500 monthly active users outside of China. So when we look at the US um, and just global services generally, Facebook 2.9 billion monthly active users, YouTube over 2 billion, WhatsApp 2 billion, WeChat 1 billion plus, that's a Chinese service, obviously. Uh, Instagram 1 billion, TikTok 1 billion, Snap. Surprisingly, Snap's doing really well uh, in this regard, 750 monthly active users. Spotify premium subscribers, 210 million. Now that's an even more narrow group of services. The number of services that have over 100 million subscribers, Netflix, Disney Plus, very few in the world. And so they're in rarefied air. Disney Plus has a global subscription base of 162-ish uh, million. I'm rounding up there. Netflix globally Three, 233 million, I always round up. And then when you look at the average revenue per user, uh, that's where the story comes in. So it's not enough to just look at how many subscribers they have, how much they make per subscriber. Spotify makes four bucks and 74 cents, four dollars and 74 cents. Disney uh, is at three dollars and 93 cents, largely because they started with a lower pricing. And remember, globally, what we pay in the United States is very different than what people pay in India, China or, you know, emerging markets, let alone frontier markets. Netflix, uh, average revenue per user is $11.70. So they're really high. Uh, they kept raising their prices over time. And they just started doing their ad supported uh, service. They're not releasing that number. But mm, I don't, I think they missed uh, was what uh, people said. And so it will take a little time. They expect their average revenue to drop over time as more people take the ad choice. And uh, here's what our friend, friend of the pod, Daniel Eck, has to say. Daniel, come back on the program. I haven't talked in a while. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in technology, how fast innovation and progress is happening in all the really cool and scary things that people are doing with AI. Interesting. So AI uh, is something that Spotify has been doing with their algorithm for a long time, right? One of the great things about Spotify is when you play your two or three songs, the next two or three, even if you don't know the artists are, are music that you might really like. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Spotify to look at your behavior, look at the behavior of your friends. They've never really built out the social network on Spotify. They should probably take a second swing at that of letting us comment. How great would it be? And I don't, I've never seen this inside of Spotify. I know you can share playlists, but and somebody just invited me to a playlist where I could add songs to it. So that's an interesting social feature. But if they could build out a social graph inside of Spotify and, and, and really get that going, instead of seeing what your friends are listening to, which is a little creepy, 
you could start to build some AI that would say, hey, your friends are listening to this episode of this podcast, and these other episodes are related to it. And your friend graph could start to introduce you to stuff. So combining what we learn from social networks with what's trending in the world, and, and what's actually happening inside of a podcast or inside of a song. So you could analyze the lyrics, the beat, the melody of songs and present more like it, all that stuff's really going to be interesting. If you can tell from the podcast lately, we've been doubling and tripling down on founding university to launch. In fact, it's basically the future of our venture capital firm. And that's awesome because I'm working with a couple of hundred early stage founders really early and getting to see what tools they use. You know what tool they show up with most? They show up with Squarespace. They put up their first website instantly, quickly with Squarespace. And it's beautiful and it makes them look like a million bucks. The thing you may not be aware of is that Squarespace, beyond the beautiful templates that make your company look like a million bucks and that work on mobile, it's not just a pretty website. It is a powerful e-commerce platform now and they have member areas. What's a member area? You know, people like to sell content now and premium content, it's a big business. Well, they have that built in to Squarespace and they don't take you know, double digit percentages of your revenue like those other platforms do. And they also have appointment scheduling. So, you know, if you're doing a business where you're a consultant, you want to charge for your time, well, you have scheduling built into it as well. And this is the, the brilliance of Squarespace. It's going to look beautiful, as you know. So here's what I want you to do. Just head to squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code twist. You save an extra 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. We love you, Squarespace. Y you know how it is. When you're a technologist, everybody in your family, your friends, your circle, your network come to you and say, hey, I got to get a website up. Can you find me a developer, a designer, a product manager? And you just say, you know what? Yes, I can find you all that and more at squarespace.com slash twist. But the most interesting thing of all is what people are doing with AI-generated music. And the artist known as Grimes has told fans and artists she uh, will let them use her voice to make AI-generated music, and she will split the royalties with them 50-50. Now, we talked last week on the show about Heart on My Sleeve. That's the song that went viral using AI-generated voices of Drake and The Weeknd. I'm not sure if the lyrics were AI-generated. I think a lot of times people are writing the lyrics and then having these AI artists perform it. But the industry is really not interested in this and they're putting the kibosh on it. But Grimes is an independent artist according to her tweets and it's just an interesting turn of events that a pop star on her level is just letting people know they can have at it. She retweeted the Drake and the Weekend story from the New York Times and says, I'll split 50% royalties on any successful AI generated song that uses my voice. Same deal as I would with any artist I collab with. Feel free to use my voice without penalty. I have no label and no legal bindings. Uh, I think it's cool to be fused with a machine. And I like the idea of open sourcing all art and killing copyright. So very interesting uh, position, but she followed up because obviously there could be people who might do things that are no bueno. So she says, okay, hate this part, but we may do copyright takedowns only for really, really toxic lyrics with Grimes voice. IMO, you'd really have to push it for me to want to take something down. But I guess please don't be quote, the worst, as in try not to exit the current Overton window of lyrical content with regards to sex violence, like no baby murder songs, please. And I think that's pretty reasonable. And uh, last week, I talked about 
artists leasing out their voices and how this could be a totally new business model in the industry. I was thinking about artists who are no longer alive, like Elvis or bands that are no longer working together like Dire Straits. And that this could be amazing and delightful for people to imagine, you know, Elvis doing a new song every year or a new album every other year or a Dire Straits album coming out every couple of years that was completely written uh, by fans or uh, done by AI. In fact, if somebody makes me a Dire Straits AI, I'll start writing uh, new lyrics myself. That's how much I love that band. Uh, and so, you know, the lesson always for me is when new technology comes out, you just have to ask yourself, well, what crazy thing can I do with it? And what if it works and embrace it? Even though Universal Music Group and others are fighting to protect their catalogs and, you know, don't want their stuff being done this way. I think this is going to become a major trend. Some people are uh, claiming the end of music is coming. I think this is going to be a tremendous boost uh, for the music industry. I think we're going to see a certain artist who adopt this become the artist of the futures. And so Grimes has always been a cutting edge artist, but I think this will define a new generation of artists, people who allow people to remix it. I talked about sometimes you have to retrain your brain to become an early adopter uh, and stay ahead of trends. And I talked about that in the Blueprint series here on This Week in Startups on episode 1537. Here's a 46-second clip where I talked about this. It's very easy to look at something, and humans take a very pessimistic view early on. We're scared creatures, so you have to retrain yourself to be an early adopter. And there's this, of course, chart that you see all the time, early adopters on one side, laggers on the other, and the, and the majority, right? And there's like the, the faster majority and the slow majority of people when they adopt technology or trends. I like to, as an individual, look at these new trends, and instead of being scared of them, I like to be curious about them, right? And I like to look at them and say to myself, what if they work, right? And so you want to anticipate that these things that look like they're not going to work are going to become something big. And usually it takes three, four, five tries for something to actually stick. So there you have it, folks. Um, you just want to say, what if it works? And so if this does work, and let's say a thousand people make grime songs, and let's say 10 of them are really good, and she makes an album out of those 10, what if two or three of those chart? What if two or three of those make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in royalties a year for the individuals who write them? Well, then they might write more. <laughs> and then next year, it might be 10,000 songs get released and Grimes becomes the number one artist in the world based on people just using her aesthetic. This could be transformative. And if Kanye West, you know, does avant-garde music, but it's kind of cool to see him do cover songs. You know, maybe letting AI do a cover, uh, and he doesn't have the propensity to want to do these. Well, I kind of like listening to Kanye and cover. I love cover songs. One of my favorite playlists on Spotify, speaking of Spotify, is they have like folk or acoustic covers, it's called something like that. And sometimes when I'm driving, I'll just put that on and I get to hear different people's interpretation of classic songs or modern songs you know, on acoustic guitar, and, and it's delightful. Uh, but you have to wait for somebody to do it. Now you could have Kanye covering a Dire Straits song or Dire Straits covering a Kanye song. It, it, it can get really just fun and interesting. So I say embrace it.
Uh, speaking of embracing it, uh, next up, uh, one of my earliest investments uh, and exciting ones, Cafe X uh, CEO Henry Hugh is on the program. He's been on the show a couple of times before, but the last three years were brutal for Cafe X because pandemic uh, shut things down, including airports where they have two machines at San Francisco's uh, airport here, SFO. And so we talk about the different pivots they've made and how they survived the downturn. But uh, this barista robot that they've built with the moving arm that can serve hundreds of cups of coffee a day, it's actually working. And he actually has people who are buying the machine from him now and doing hardware as a service. People buy the machine, they buy the software, and they can run their own cafes. He's raising money, an equity crowdfunding effort on Republic. So if you want to join the fund uh, and place a bet, and these are bets, most startups fail. So be careful, folks. Uh, but if you want to be on the cap table with me, uh, feel free to go check that out and make an educated decision for yourself. But here he is, uh, Henry from Cafe X with the update. Listen, when you're selling a B2B solution, you really want to get your pitch in front of decision makers, the ones who have the corporate card or sign the POs. And typically those senior level executives are the hardest people to reach unless and you know this to be true, you use LinkedIn. Yes, that's right. They're getting close to a billion people on LinkedIn. It's like 875, 900 million people use it. But of that group, 180 million of them are the coveted senior level executives. And 10 million C-level executives are on the platform. They're the ones who can make a purchasing decision. You can reach them with LinkedIn ads. It's built specifically for business-to-business -business marketers like me and you. No other platform in the world has these type of eyeballs, nor do they have them in the business context, right? When I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn equals business, business equals LinkedIn, LinkedIn equals business, business equals LinkedIn. You know that to be true. So they're going to reach these business-to-business -business decision makers in a respectful, focused environment. So if you're selling a B2B solution and you want to engage with the elite buyers, just market on LinkedIn. And here you go. A hundy is waiting for you. $100 in credits. Just go to linkedin.com slash this week in startups to claim your credit. No spaces, no dashes, linkedin.com. And then the name of this podcast, this week in startups, no spaces, no dashes. Terms and conditions apply because they're giving you a hundy. All right, welcome back to the program, everybody. I'm really excited to have our guest back on the program today because my philosophy of startups is I don't quit. And if things get hard, I just double down, triple down, and I will work with any founder that we've invested in until they decide to give up. My founder today had ample opportunity to give up at any time during what was one of the hardest streaks of bad luck I've seen an entrepreneur have to go through. Hardware is hard. Running a retail operation is hard. San Francisco is the most impossible location to run a retail location, as you've all seen over the past five years. And we had this little thing called COVID shut down the world. Today on the program, the co-founder and CEO of Cafe X, Henry Hugh. Uh, Henry, welcome back to the program. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me back. So you and I met, uh, you sent me famously a video, uh, I think you were in Hong Kong or China or Shenzhen, I yeah, don't know Hong exactly Kong. where you, Hong Kong, yeah. um, years ago, and you said, look, it's a robot making coffee, and I said, is it a joke? <laughs> you said, it's not a joke, I built it while you were in college, I said, that's interesting, come to my accelerator, came to the accelerator, raised a bunch of money, and you figured out how to actually do food service, and I want to put this against the backdrop of I was very excited about robots being able to make 
food because I knew there would be a shortage of workers. That turned out to be true. We knew robotics was going to happen and uh, we'd get more refined over time. But when I looked at it, the pizza company I looked at, Zuma, uh, a couple of hamburger companies, I think one was called Moment, um, Salad Bot, T-Bot, Ramen Bot, (laughs) Frozen Yogurt Bot, Dishwasher Bot. Almost none of those worked. I think the dishwasher one did work. Um, And you were able to make this incredible Cafe X automated coffee machine. Now, it took years, but I just want to let folks know, and we can play a video here. If you've ever been to San Francisco, you have two of these robotic coffee machines working in SFO. It was really hard to get in there. And so we don't have to rehash the past, but you've been on the pod so many times. But I want to just start with just what's working, and then we'll work backwards to just how cataclysmic COVID was for your startup and how you survived it. So here we see on the screen, uh, the robot doing what it does making perfect coffee uh, at an, a tremendous rate. Talk about the two machines at SFO and what you experienced in 2022 and into 2023. And welcome back to the program. Sure. Um, so yeah, 2022, we, we reopened after COVID. Um, and we, we initially started with one machine, and then we added a second one. And we had a great year. They did over $730,000 between the two machines combined. Um, and we really kind of proved uh, two things. One, that um, as far as I'm aware, they're, they're the, the highest revenue generating vending machines in the world. So fully automated, fully unattended, like literally there's nobody there. Um, we, mm. we go there once a day usually for, for cleaning and, and filling it up. Other, otherwise, it's just sitting there running by itself, serving hundreds of people every day. Um, and then the second thing is um, that we proved that it's reliable. Like there's, again, like there's nothing, there's nothing, there isn't like a fully automated robotic food service machine out there in the public today. Um, there's just isn't, except for ours. Right. And so when people ask, how is this different than the powdered coffee machine we see in Better Call Saul, <laughs> where you put in 50 cents and it makes you a, a cup of Sanka with some powdered uh, milk in it explain the question we got all the time why are you doing this with a robotic arm Uh, doesn't this exist already i think those were the two objections or questions that you know uh the public and more importantly investors had uh what, what what was the answer you gave people to those two questions and how have those two specific questions why use a robotic arm and how is it different than the previous machines um what is proven to be right wrong or interesting about those questions you got yeah, a lot of people will immediately say like, "What's the difference between this and a Nespresso machine?" Um, and so it's, I think it's it's because probably these people don't have a a very good understanding of how specialty coffee works or how you know how baristas make really good quality, good tasting coffee. Um, actually, one of our customers now is like one of the top like specialty coffee roasters in the U.S. Um, and we we're serving their coffee at SFO. It's called Onyx Coffee Lab. Um, so really, like, I think we've done the right things to, you know, make a system that serves good quality coffee. Um, and we've put in the right components um, such that it makes sense. So what does a barista do when they make coffee? They move cups around and they operate semi-automatic machines. That's essentially what our robot does. It moves cups around. Um, and because the airport is a busy location, um, which is why it's a good fit for this machine, um, it, it's helpful because the machine can be simultaneously making six eight ten drinks at a time 
you're moving the cups around to different machines to collect different ingredients, giving them to the right customer at the right time. Like for a person to manage that is pretty stressful. Mm. Um, and then the actual machines that make the drinks, um, you know, making good coffee is just having a, a good machine and having good ingredients and then also dialing in that machine properly, sort of calibrating it to, to mm. create the recipes properly. Um, and so like we, we use a, you know, the top of the line, fully automatic espresso machine. We work with great coffee roasters. Uh, we, we, we work with them to dial in the recipes so that everything tastes good. Um, and then the, yeah, the robot just allows us to make lots of drinks, uh, you know, perfectly accurately, um, you know, at, at the same time. And that consistency is a key component here. So what people missed about your vision which I, I, I'm not sure why they missed it because it was so apparent to me, uh, having been to a Starbucks or even a Blue Bottle, that mistakes are made. And then you actually had statistics on this. Like I remember you telling me at some point, like over 50% of the drinks have mistakes in them. You know, their temperature's wrong, et cetera. Humans make mistakes. The robots infrequently make mistakes. And if it does, it tends to be, uh, well, something's wrong with a piece of hardware, not the actual ordering system yeah. and then this parallel this ability to work in parallel without error is something that people just don't immediately grok but when you see four people around the machine ordering one or two drinks each this thing is cranking making iced beverages from a tap espresso based beverages getting ice syrups whatever and, and, it, and it does it all quite flawlessly what's the so that's the the consistency part now why do you need a robot arm, as opposed to uh, there was a company called Brigo, which had a machine next to the SFO one that had a conveyor belt like system, and the cups would go along the conveyor belt. And I don't know exactly what strategy it was doing. I think it was doing more brewed coffee, like a, like maybe a fills or something like that. But you, you'll know better than me. Um, and the coffee was, I would say, below average for me. Um, compared to the super espresso machines with the dialed in coffee making it perfect every time. But it wasn't terrible. But the Brigo machine was giant, and it did not have a robotic arm. It was a fixed conveyor belt system. Brigo, I believe held. Why did Brigo, if I'm pronouncing the company correctly, walk me through Brigo's technical decisions on hardware and your technical decisions on hardware and versus what you see when you're in Japan, I just got back. I saw plenty of coffee machines making powder coffee. So walk through those three systems. Um, so our machine at Terminal 3 in SFO is actually currently located where the Brigo machine was. Uh, oh, okay. Before well, that's COVID. a victory. Um, and so I think before COVID, um, the airport's probably still like 15, 20% more passengers than there are currently. Mm -hmm. um, and our sales are like three to four times what the, the, the Brigo machine was doing. Uh, at that okay. same location um so i think so there's there's multiple kind of advantages to having the robot arm but maybe the first one that's most obvious is that it's fun and entertaining mm -hmm. um that's kind of important for for a yeah. product it delights people it draws attention um literally every single person using the machine is on their phone taking a video or photo of it uh so it kind of creates a bit of real world virality um but uh the other benefit to the to the, the robot is it gives us a lot of flexibility to expand the menu and so this is something that's very important in food mm. and beverage like 
Um, my background is just dropping out of college. So I am not like a, you know, <laughs> a multi-year a restaurant, <laughs> restaurateur or, or, um, or, or coffee shop owner. But, you know, we learned this kind of over time. Like you have to constantly be adding new products, improving your menu. Um, and so having a robot allowed us to uh, add the tap system. It allowed us to add now uh, cookies, candy, macarons, you know, snacks. Um, and it allows us to move the cup very flexibly between different components. And so we can constantly kind of build new drinks. You know, we have this software now that allows us to create new products super easily mm. um, that we built in-house. It's, it's like very, very convenient. So uh, we're constantly using it to, to add new products to the menu. So it takes, um, it, it adds complexity maybe uh, to have the robot arm. I don't, I don't know if it actually adds complexity versus the Brigo. If I think about it, the Brigo seems, but th the point is the Brigo cannot add an ice machine, the taps, and then pick up food and then hand it to people or uh, like your machine does. Uh, you know, I was delighted when last time I was there, I had something that was on the seasonal menu that was very, um, it was like some iced apple something, but uh, you have the ability to go get ice yep. from the ice dispenser then because originally you didn't have ice drinks or taps so now you get some ice then you get the tap you put some kombucha in the tap but then you could also put foam over it so i love these ice latte uh, matcha latte kind of drinks and those are complex drinks from what i can see the brigo is never going to be able to do that you have to rip the machine apart and start from zero almost since it's a conveyor belt system yours you pick up the cup it gets ice it correct me if i'm wrong hits the tap then there is a foam machine that's able to do the cold foam. Is that a separate machine or is that something that super espresso machines added later? Because cold foam, is that different than hot foam? Yeah, the, we, we've always used sort of the top of the line espresso machines. We use, um, we, we work with a company called WMF from Germany. They're the yeah. biggest commercial cough machine maker in the world. So they've always had top of the line ability for the machine to do really good espresso and also milk. Um, so mm. milk, we have different kinds of milk we have obviously hot and cold milk but also different textures of foam so there's three or four different kinds of hot foam texture cold foam texture and we can mm. play around with that to create you know different drinks i think the one you had was the spiced apple tea which oh. we had that was it was pretty good it was like a Ooh. apple yeah apple flavored tea from the tap tower and then we bring it over to the coffee machine and get um uh, oatly oat milk cold foam that goes on top and it that was delicious that was, yeah it was pretty popular um uh, yeah. so the the and then now we compare these two systems the brigo conveyor belt um to the the, the cafe x hey <laughs> sky's the limit um and now you compare it to powdered coffee machines it's really just an issue of taste is it not yeah the, the powder thing point? is yeah um i mean if we could put a powdered machine into our machine to you know say it's but we'd never do that you know it's just like we've selected the best equipment there is out there. We have the expertise to properly use that equipment to make good quality mm. drinks. And then we work with good quality ingredient providers. If you're listening to this podcast, you clearly have an interest in startups and technology, but do you have the skills and knowledge you need for a career in tech? And if you do have those skills, are you still learning and growing? Because everyone in tech knows if you're not building new skills, 
geared towards the latest platforms, well, you're falling behind. And right now, that platform is AI, artificial intelligence. AI isn't just the future, it's the present. We see that happening. We're talking about it every day on this podcast. And to be part of the tech revolution, you need to understand the core concepts behind AI, you know, things like neural networks, machine learning, these are complex terms, you can guess what they are. But why not go learn about these concepts at brilliant.org. This website helps users learn math, science and computer science interactively. And right now, they feature some amazing courses geared towards AI like an introduction to neural networks, 15 lessons in that one and search engines, which includes 20 lessons on the core idea behind search engine technology. So here's your call to action. You can try everything brilliant has to offer for a full 30 days by heading to brilliant.org slash twist to start your free trial and for a limited time only twist listeners will get 20% off an annual subscription. I'm an investor in the company. It's a brilliant company. And uh, I really want you to try it for you and your company for kids college, everybody in between everybody should get smarter. Let's all get brilliant together brilliant.org slash twist for 20% off today. Hmm. Okay, now the company. Uh, let's go to the pivot you made. We in the early days of experimenting with a company uh, tried to open some locations, San Francisco, uh, the Metreon, people remember Market Street, etc. And the, you know, the goal was always to get into some airports, uh, finally got into airports, that's not an easy task to get into an airport. Uh, correct? Yeah, that that took a few years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and the hardware takes a couple years. Yep. And retail takes a couple years. So we have proven now that a machine can do hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue a year with but i don't know you 30 minutes of cleanup a day and restocking an hour what does it take to on 60 average? yeah it's between 30 to 60 at the airport it's particularly dusty just because of how many people there are so oh. we actually have to spend a little more extra time just just wiping things down okay so yeah. the idea is a full-time person who worked an eight-hour shift uh getting paid 30 bucks an hour would be able to clean a machine an hour no problem in an airport so an hour. I'm rounding up thinking at some point the person is a little bit lazy to get some. <laughs> I, <laughs> I always do it in 32 minutes. That's my record. You do it, you do it in 30, <laughs> and I know you do it yourself. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but that uh, means for a $30 an hour person, you know, which is a, you know, whatever, four times the minimum wage uh, uh, federal and double the, the, the local minimum wage in like a place like San Francisco or Seattle, New York. For double what a Starbucks barista gets paid you can clean the machine and then these machines on average can do a couple of hundred cups a day no problem yep so that is quite a savings um and these are not these do not need to take up a storefront at an airport if there's a lounge area which the airport is filled with them you could remove but i don't know six seats maybe six seats uh, on each side 12 yeah. seats or so wide you can remove a bench and put this thing in as long as you have 220. And do you have to pour water to it or do you bring in water? Um, it, it's designed for, for water and for drain. Um, but if this is like something that can't be set up, it can be done so that's portable. Ah, so it could be yeah. made portable. You put a 50 gallon drum of water. Of yeah, yeah, we, we've water really in. optimized the deployments now. So when we set up a machine for a customer, it takes like just a few hours. Like it used to take days. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, yeah. At some point, you realized, hey, taking this national is going to be really hard. 
um, we should be a technology provider to other cafes or franchisees or uh, it's not technically a franchise product, but people can now buy the machine themselves. They can slap their own logo on it. If you were the New York Knicks and you wanted to put four of these in Madison Square Garden, you could have a panel at the front that says, you know, Knicks drinks, and you could have all drinks based on the Knicks players. You could have the panel change to the Rangers the next night, uh, or Miley Cyrus or the Grateful Dead or Billy Joel if they played there. Um, or you could just have it say MSG and have your whole MSG drinks with a Knicks orange latte or whatever. Sounds pretty terrible, but um, putting that aside, uh, or other airports around the world, or campuses, NYU, if they're having a problem staffing these things, they could just buy five or 10 machines and operate them themselves or a kitchen provider that provides to NYU or Fordham or Harvard campus could now buy them, they buy the machine, I think they cost a uh, 250k. And there's a smaller machine coming and then a couple of thousands a month in SaaS. So you're now a hardware as a software model. And you you have some number of customers from this. Explain the pivot, how you decided to do it, and how it's going. Sure. Um, so we we basically used our own machine and developed it over multiple years. We basically started in 2017 with those three prototypes in downtown SF. Um, we served over 300,000 paying customers. And so we, you know, when we were running at the airport in 2022, um, at that point, we were like, you know, this is a very reliable machine, and it's something now that uh, we've optimized everything, the hardware, the software, the the experience for operators um, to, to operate the machine to a point where like anybody could operate it. So we started selling to uh, other businesses um, as a white label solution. Um, we've customized the machine with different finishes, branding. We customized the ordering app as well. Um, and uh, last year, we, we shipped to, to five uh, of our first B2B customers, um, um, a few notable fortune companies, big consulting companies, um, and they're we, using we're it. We're not going to say the names here. Uh, they're testing them or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, so we, we delivered to five. Uh, the, 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 the farthest one that we shipped to was in Dubai. Um, mm -hmm. That machine's also doing great. It's doing about the same as the San Francisco airport in terms of uh, performance. Um, and then this year, uh, we're building more machines. There's one here behind me that we're shipping out soon. Uh, we have we already have orders for for 10 so um wow. fantastic yeah and the pricing on this current model and then you're always trying to reduce price on the on the the, the original prototypes cost a million to make probably all in what is the price now in terms of what we're selling it for we'll assume there's some profit margin in there you don't have to say specifically what it is but uh you can uh maybe talk a little bit about what a customer can expect in terms of buying this and then what it would look like over 10 years, because uh, I think for some people, it's an economic decision they want to make into a business. For some people, it's a convenience. It's a this is a, something you have uh, in your uh, high rise tower. And now you've got a 24 hour barista going because this thing can run 24 yep. hours. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Or a college campus or a museum or a, a corporate yep. environment. Yeah. So for people An that, amenity, that rather is what I right. would say. For people that want to start like a coffee business, that's it's about the same price as as opening a coffee shop. Um, it might be a little higher, uh, but you have the benefit of being able to move it over. You know, if it if there's an issue with the location, um, the machine's going to last for 15, 20 plus years. We we use all the best commercial, industrial, you know, hardware in there, so it's it's um it's it's going to last a long time. 
Um, and then, uh, yeah, for in the amenity case, it's it's great for companies to be able to add a cafe that's got extended hours, that's super reliable, and for the people that have to manage the the catering operation, like they don't have to go out and hire a team of people to run the machine and have to mm -hmm. deal with people quitting, being late, not showing up. It's just super convenient. Um, literally, just you know, one day, move it in, plug it in, and it starts. You have a full on automated coffee shop. And uh, break down the costs, what people would have cost to buy it, and uh, what the our, weight's like right now. Our list price is 285000 and that's fully loaded, including customizing the machine and white labeling the software. And that includes the shelf, um, which is an accessory that you can use for, for selling cookies and snacks, basically any retail item. We have a customer now that, that's going to be using it for selling coffee beans, because they're a coffee roaster. Ah, um, Makes a lot of sense. Coffee beans are high margin. If you're selling, you know, a, a $20 pound of, usually it's 20 bucks a pound for this like high end coffee. I, I see mm -hmm. it's like $18 for 12 ounces. They seem to be playing a little game with me because I look at it and say, oh, it's $18 a pound. And it's actually yeah. $18 for 12 ounces or 14 ounces. Nice. There's some really nice, special ones that are like $200. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if we need to go there, but um, that would be incredible for them because if you're walking home uh, and this thing is running at 10 o'clock at night and you forgot to buy beans, you can just pick it up right there and they're fresh roasted, et cetera. Um, is, uh, and the software then, they can have their own app or do you have to use the Cafe X app? Do you, do you, can you produce an app? So if I was a coffee brand, if I'm, you know, is it Intelligentsia or, you know, uh, one of those uh, brands, if I wanted to put these in 10 locations <laughs> in airports and I wanted to try to get those franchises for, you know, high quality espresso and really as marketing to sell my beans, um, can I have my own app that does that? Yeah. Or do you have to use a Cafe X app? Um, so, so we've built our software to support, you know, operating this machine a bit like, um, a mix of like the Tesla app plus Shopify. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, created in a way such that a uh, customer can customize their, um, uh, the look and feel of their customer facing mobile ordering app. And, and by mm -hmm. the way, it's a, it's a, it's a flutter web app. So you don't actually have to download anything. You just scan a QR code and you can order in seconds. Um, uh and then we have the kind of uh, back office dashboard, you know, admin software where you can customize the menu, manage the prices, the photos, create new products. We've built all of that out. Um, so like literally anybody can run it and it just takes a few hours of training. Mm, amazing. And so it, it was a tough COVID period. Uh, company came within inches of its life. I think <laughs> you had to times. struggle multiple times uh which by the way i know a couple of other companies in the hardware business rocket chip companies car companies uh and even software companies uh airbnb marketplaces that all have come and had these near-death experiences uh you've been able to basically thread the needle here and survive now you're raising an equity crowdfunding explain the equity crowdfunding uh that you're doing Sure. Yeah. We, well, you know, having the machine at SFO is, is, um, gets a lot of exposure to a lot of people. We just got a lot of requests for people that were interested in investing in the company after using the machine. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also customers that, you know, bought machines that also are interested in investing. So we thought this would be a, a good opportunity for people to do that. Amazing. And, uh, Running the systems in San Francisco was extremely difficult. Uh, we had multiple <laughs> I mean, vandal. The, the number one issue we had, I think, in San Francisco was vandalism. 
Am I correct? Um, it, it definitely happened a lot. Like we'd have, you know, the storefront um, glass completely smashed or graffiti or crazy people coming in and hurting our customers. Um, so yeah, just the typical stuff that you hear about in the news. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad we're not dealing with that. The airport's a very safe place. <laughs> well, and there was also, uh, if to be clear, we had a lot of also regulations to deal with. People didn't know what box to put this in. Is it a vending machine or is it a food service? So yeah. the regulations in some locations, uh, San Francisco, I think included, oh, there's fresh milk in here. Can you have fresh milk without a human being there? All, all these like edge issues started to come up, but you've been able to work through those and navigate those just like Uber, Airbnb and other companies have been able to navigate these kind of issues. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've, we've gotten pretty good at wor you know, working with these regulations. Um, Although, you know, like our machine is out there in the public. It's not like uh, an Uber that's kind of just like, it's not obvious what car is an Uber and what's not, whereas our machine is just sitting there. So I think we, we have to follow the regular, we had to be very um, good about yep. actually following the regulations. Well, you have health inspectors coming, you have uh, landlords that have to use this. And right. uh, so, you know, massive congratulations. I think just being able to weather the COVID storm um, and how hard it is to do a hardware company. I'm just so impressed that you didn't give up. And so uh, I'm really thankful as an investor in the company uh, that you've continued to fight. You can go see the equity crowdfunding. Um, and you can if you're a civilian and you want to invest in the future, uh, go to republic.com slash cafe dash x. Disclaimer, 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 most startups fail. This one almost failed three or four times, like all startups and I've had failed startups. Uh, but still grinding away and uh you can go see the machine machines in san francisco san francisco airport must be delighted uh that there are more coffee options that don't have 30 people online i mean that was the big problem in sfo for me that airport had at a peak was really crowded i think it's probably 20 or 30 percent off its peak now that san francisco isn't such a destination is is that about right or is it I back think, up to pre-pandemic i think it's i think it's 20 less than 20 percent, but it's still down oh, a bit okay. um yeah but yeah that's why the airport wanted us there because they had crazy long lines for coffee um so we're, we're helping with that <laughs> i think you know there's also this struggle when you come to the airport you can't bring a beverage through security yeah and so when you get past security there's a lot of great options when you're before security or you're at baggage claim uh, typically there are no options and i just think every baggage claim area should have this uh, at every airport just as a starting point because when people come out of baggage claim, you know, they may be getting in a car, they want to have a nice refreshing beverage, maybe they need a little pick me up, it's the morning. Have you have you had any discussions with people about that specific insight? Or it's just a theory I have. But that seems like a wide open blue ocean, you're not competing against Dunkin Donuts or coffee and tea, tea leave or Starbucks. Yeah, for space in the by the gates, which obviously <laughs> is a captive audience. But man, you get all those people leaving, everybody's got to go almost everybody gets a bag. So hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, there, there's a number of our customers that are looking at, you know, airport locations. Um, so maybe that's something that they'll, they'll find. But like for now, you know, like one of the reasons that we have survived is because we, we, we have decided just to focus on a few, a few things. Um, and so mm -hmm. right now our, our, our sole focus is building machines for customers. Um, right. so we, yeah, that's, that's all we're focused on. And right that's now. enough when you think about it. If, if the customer is focused on the location, uh, the operation, 
and the menu and the brand, that's all off your plate. And then you focus strictly on adding features to the robot and to the, you know, the hardware stack <laughs> and refining the software. I think that's a good trade of services. You know, you, you don't have to, you know, be thinking about how somebody's going to use the car. Right. You just have to worry about making the best car possible. And that's kind of where you're at now. Yes. Um, although a lot of the customers do, you know, like our, our menu, our Cafe X menu at SFO has been pretty successful. So actually a lot of people want to just do the same thing. So for now, we're just sharing it with people. But I think there's some opportunity for maybe franchising in the future. The, I have to say the menu uh, seems to change on a pretty frequent basis. Are you driving that yeah. yourself personally? And then how do you come up with these ideas? And then when is uh, asking for my three daughters? When is a boba option coming? Because uh -huh. if you have all this flexibility, you know, they, they just love going to get a boba. I could see yeah. you ripping everything out of this machine except the taps and then adding boba and, you know, uh, leche. Is it leche jelly? And I don't know all the stuff my daughters are putting <laughs> yeah, in this popping, thing. All I know mango, is I walk out boba. with $8 <laughs> <laughs> per drink. Yeah. Um, yes, I, um, we're a super small team. So, you know, I, I, I do the menu myself um, yep. and uh, just like stand there and mix things and <laughs> come up with things that i think taste good um but uh for boba um so boba is the, the difficult part about boba is the the tapioca pearls or the boba itself like that stuff mm. is you have to cook it and then it only lasts for a few hours otherwise it starts to get kind of <gasps> hard or or um mm. or too soft so it's hard to manage that um however we are working actually on on a, a topping dispenser um, that replaces where the pa the pastry shelf goes currently. Mm. So the robot would be able to scoop, you know, toppings and put it into into cups. Ah. And then we already have the tap tower and the ice and the syrups um, and the different kinds of cream and milk foam. Like we have everything. So already a topping might there. be, hey, here's some whipped cream, or here's some uh, 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 like more like the caramel, like the lychee jelly, or oh, okay, um, that kind of stuff. Pop yeah, popping boba, that kind of stuff. The stuff that um that uh, stable yeah you just More keep stable. it like keep it cold and it, it's good for the whole day um ah. whereas the like the boba that the the the, you know, the squishy black boba that stuff is um like if if there was a cafe that had staff there and you know this machine was as was integrated as part of the cafe or the boba shop that could make a lot of sense um because they have someone there to cook it and to replace it every few hours but huh. for a fully automated location probably makes more sense to do like the, the popping boba yeah that's interesting is more really stable good. yeah oh yeah that my if actually given the <laughs> choice my daughters go for the popping boba more than yeah. that so there's your solution right there is hey listen i if you like the gooey boba that's not us but if you like the popping one hey we can just drop it in there yeah uh, yeah i think that's you know it's one of the great things about having a successful startup like you do now and you've proven out the concept is people's minds go crazy what other ideas have people started to ask you about because when you see the four taps in there it doesn't take a genius to think hmm kombucha teas what else can come out of a tap um <laughs> yeah i think there um something we kind of want to do is to make like a a system that's just for like different kinds of mixed cocktails and beer on tap mm. um obviously there would have to be people there but you know with alcohol it's the margins are, are pretty straightforward it makes sense to have somebody there anyway um but that might be something we do in the future yeah i mean depending on the venue if you <laughs> can only get into a venue with a driver's license then once you're inside the venue then you don't have to worry about 
mm-hmm. uh, children having access or underage people having access to the drinks. Yeah. So that could be solved if you had a mega club and people were at some, you know, mega club and there was a thousand people in the club or 500 people in a bar or a stadium. Yeah, there could be a way to do that where kids wouldn't have access to it. Or you could yeah. literally just have a concierge on the side uh, checking people's IDs as they collect their beverages. Not yeah, perfect, our, but... Hmm. Our tap system is something we, like, we completely engineered it ourselves, but with the nitrogen infusion and, you know, how everything connects together, um, how it's dispensed remotely. Like, this is something we... It's like a separate product that we could, you know, turn into something else. All right, well, they have it, everybody. Uh, if you've got a crazy idea and you want to do something big with Henry, if you, you know, I was, uh, my dream has always been that one of the big uh, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, Intelligentsia's, uh, you know, some big, and even a legacy brand would be amazing. You know, if uh, Illy or, uh, you know, Chuck Full of Nuts or whoever decides, you know what, we, we really want to, you know, um, get into the retail space in a major way to build our brand and to make money and, and have a larger footprint. I've always dreamed that somebody like that would say, you know what, give us, a, give us 100 machines, give us 250 machines a year. And uh, let us handle the branding because we've got the best espresso in the world. Now a Starbucks or a blue bottle, they seem and I don't want you to comment anybody specific, but just from my perception, there seems like there's a c- collection of brands that are precious about the barista experience. But I think there's also an equal number of brands that just want people to be able to get a cup of coffee without waiting 20 minutes. Um, yeah, but I think um, there, there's like, even if, even if you, you wanted to have, um, you know, some baristas, you know, as part of the experience, our machine can still add a lot of value because it's possible to have it like sort of collaboratively work with baristas mm. so that those baristas can focus on, you know, things that, take lots of practice and training like doing nice latte art or um Mm. making making food products and serving that to customers so you could still kind of um integrate our system into a concept that has people um or staff serving customers but you would just have you would just have less of them or you would get you or you'd be able to have higher output uh yeah so anybody henry what's your email best email for you if or for people to email if they want to do a partnership yeah uh, i'd love to see if anybody knows anybody in the coffee business one of the great ways to help startups is to just email the ceos or people at companies like that and say wow you should check out this episode this seems really interesting uh so what's your best email or the best email for partners uh h at cafe x app.com at cafe x app no spaces no dashes.com all right henry continued success keep grinding i see you're in the laboratory right there in your warehouse uh somewhere by uh, sfo in southern san francisco you're in the lab uh and that's it it's been great to to back you as a founder and watch you grow into this ceo position and just never giving up in the grit you you have my respect uh a lot of founders i know uh they hit one two three bad beats you hit five six seven (laughs) it's hard and i've seen a lot of them fold and I saw you double down. So continued success. And uh, we'll see you all next time on this week's service. Bye bye.